Welcome to the Disunderstood Podcast. I'm your host, Ella Easton. Welcome back to Disunderstood. Today, our guest is Diana Hansen. Diana is from Durwood, Maryland, and was diagnosed with POTS and ME-CFS in 2016 during her collegiate swimming career. Diana got her law degree in 2021 and now works as a lawyer in Maryland. Diana was actually our first Disunderstood community author to share her story on the blog in summer of 2022, so it's super exciting to have her back with us. In this episode, Diana reflects on the life-changing experience that was receiving and living with her diagnoses. She talks about the importance of her relationships, including her recent engagement, and balancing everything in life with a chronic illness. If you would like to read or listen to Diana's story before this episode, you can find it on disunderstood.com slash blog or continue listening. So I hope you enjoy. Yay! Well, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a minute since we have been able to catch up and have a conversation. Um, And I appreciate you taking the time with the busy um, life that you're leading these days. Um, But for the audience, um, Diana was actually the very first um, disunderstood author. Um, You can find her story at the very bottom of our blog page um, as she contributed her story um, to start off Disunderstood's um, author community. So thank you for that. Um, We're always like so grateful for um you know what you're contributing um to disunderstood and i appreciate you as a friend um and i think that's something that's like really unique about this community um we had never met each other until about a year and a half ago i think maybe a year i don't know time has something like that um, yeah. But we became fast friends, I feel like, because we have had so many shared experiences, um, not only as swimmers, but um, just managing our just challenging health circumstances. Um, and I think that it's there's a mutual um, understanding there that is hard to find um, in a lot of different spaces. So um, I'm grateful for that as well. Thank um, you so much. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so do you mind sharing with, um, the listeners, the elevator pitch version of kind of how you came to your diagnosis? Um, they can read that longer story on the website. Um, but it would be great to, to hear from you kind of the most poignant parts of your story, um, that kind of led you to want to, to share about your experiences. Sure. And thanks again for having me. Um, I think, I guess it's kind of starts when I was in college. Um, I was at Bucknell University um, swimming there in the program and um, had a really good first two years. Um, Third year, before the third year, um, I got mono and didn't really realize I had it, kind of pushed through it um, and noticed that 
at the beginning and throughout my junior year, I was having a lot of trouble with my energy, just like not being able to finish off the week the way I normally would or um, just kind of, um, you know, not not spending as much energy doing other things, just kind of waking up, going to class and then going back to my room and just sitting by myself. Um, and at the end of my third year, I think my junior year, I think it got worse to the point where um, I was spending a lot more time in bed um, and then kind of fell off a cliff when I got another illness. Um, and then at that point, I think we knew or I knew at least that this wasn't normal. Um, reached out to some doctors uh, with my parents, tried to go to some um, appointments, didn't get anywhere really. Um, and through a family connection, learned the term chronic fatigue syndrome and postural tachycardia. Um, thought it was ridiculous at first. Um, and then went to see this doctor who um, I-, I was incredibly fortunate to be set up with. Um, and he was able to diagnose me kind of all of these different puzzle pieces of behavior kind of fit together to this perfect uh picture of like you know he's completely understanding what i've been going through um when everyone else had just been like you're crazy um so that was kind of how i got diagnosed still went through another year of college um that was really really tough trying to manage having a chronic illness with um being an athlete and um academics and trying yeah. to be a human um on especially on a college campus where everyone has seemingly endless energy and I was I just wasn't there so um yeah that's kind of ha- the the fast version of how it mm-hmm. happened for me um I, I know a lot of things went right for me and I'm really lucky to have gotten a diagnosis as fast as I did um, yeah but yeah yeah so I want to kind of go back to the time where you didn't have answers in terms of a mm-hmm. diagnosis or a direction. Um, what were kind of the the worst symptoms that you experienced or what were, um, I guess, the things that stand out to you now as like the most debilitating? So I think a lot of it for me was social. Um, I think I didn't have enough energy I think even before I realized physically that I didn't have a lot of energy, I think it came more socially, I guess, before I consciously understood mm-hmm. my body was telling me, I guess, to stay inside and do less and, yeah. um, you know, not not go out and um, converse with others or go to events or anything. So I literally would just sit in my room um, pretty much all the time unless I yeah. had to be elsewhere. Um, I would go from my couch to my bed, couch to my bed. But the feeling that I'll never forget is it's almost like walking through molasses or something. Mm-hmm. Like your muscles just feel so heavy. And then, um, I always felt this way when I'm laying in bed. It's just like your your body and your muscles are just sinking into your mattress to the point where like if you, if you felt like you had to move positions, it felt like you were lifting the whole mattress in order to mm-hmm. do that. Um, just really, really heavy. I think, um, again, going back to the emotional stuff, I just became very easily emotional. And I'm really not an emotional person, but Mm -hmm. things would get me upset. I would overthink things. I would, um, I don't know, just just really became an internal um, human, which is really not me. Um, And then... Aside from that, just like the energy, um, I remember the summer after my junior year, I was living at home for a couple of years or a couple of months and mm-hmm. uh, just 
was having difficulty getting up and down the stairs. Um, obviously, losing my sight when I stood up. Um, just little things like that. But most, the most debilitating thing was the energy and just, you know, I'd spend 18 hours a day sleeping. Um, I'd wake up to eat and then go right back to bed. Wake up in the yeah. morning. Um, walk downstairs, get something to drink, and then come back upstairs and feel like I needed a nap. So yeah. um, that and then mixed with the social aspect, I think were the most debilitating for me. Yeah. You say little things like that when you describe some of the symptoms that that you yeah. experienced in the past and probably continue to experience periodically really? now. And um, I think that for people like us that have kind of struggled with these things, they, they become... Um, I guess, uh, some of the smaller problems we manage. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like we, I, I want to recognize that if a person that were completely healthy were to wake up one day and experience those things, it would be, um, pretty earth shattering. And so I like to recognize that what you, you know, went through, especially in that like really acute period of disability, um, is really, really challenging. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's funny because we can, I guess, lessen the blow of our experience um, by minimizing. And I do it myself. Um, but what you went through was really hard. And I, I do know that you acknowledge that. Um, Absolutely. But, but for the people listening that have never experienced that before, it is quite scary. Um, and sometimes these things come on insidiously and slowly. It's, you know, one thing at a time. And like you mentioned, you know, retreating back to your room and not way being really excited to engage socially um that also has a really you know big effect on your over um overall well-being um and something that you know like you said a lot of people in um that age range in college um have never experienced before <laughs> um and a lot of people have as well you know like mental health challenges can also um, lead us to be less excited about doing things. Um, and I think that's why often these illnesses are attributed to mental health concerns because some of the first symptoms are actually similar to that of depression and anxiety. You know, with with postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, you know, a high heart rate upon standing is one of the diagnostic criteria. Um, and that's also associated with, you know, anxiety and and being on edge and all of those things. And in addition to the chronic fatigue leading to, um, you know, feeling like you need to withdraw more for energy purposes and energy, you know, conservation, but um, looks really similar. And so, um, you know, diagnoses of, of depression and anxiety are incredibly common among the people that are are in this community. Um, and it often prevents them from getting a diagnosis early on, which, you know, um, so, uh, those are always things that, that I think people don't necessarily understand when they're first learning about these issues. Um, but thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, of course. I would love to hear about some of the ways that like your health has evolved over the past couple of years, um, you know, the people that you have relied on to continue to, you know, keep moving forward with your career goals um, and things like that. Like what 
what has helped you manage um, and continue to move forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, when I say little things like that, too, it's like nowadays um, something seems so minute as well. And and it might honestly cause, you know, back then it would cause earth shattering uh, things to happen. I think I'm I'm through a lot of people I'm learning to manage and make things, you know, make the the tidal wave a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, and it's really due to my family and the people uh, that I've been really able to rely on. Um, I went to law school and met some friends there who were just so understanding and, um, you know, people who kind of looked out for me. And and I think when I was in college, I didn't really have that. I had some people that, that really would, but it's hard when you go from knowing someone um, kind of before this happens and then and then seeing the digression and then it's like well what's happened there um instead of kind of coming in and it's like this is who i am and i need help and um i think i just i I, i'm so thankful for the people that were willing to help um when i went to law school i i made it a goal to try to live as close as i could to the school so i lived about a block away and it was in baltimore city um so I was able to go and accommodate myself by going to class. And then if I had an hour break, I would go home and sit on my couch or sit on my bed and eat something really fast and close my eyes for a minute and kind of reset and then come back for class later. So um, I think I was able to kind of um, accommodate myself that way. But then also having people who, if I could say, look, I'm really not feeling well, I had friends who would be like, okay, I'm going to walk you to your to your apartment to make sure that you get there okay or um i'm gonna go get you some some water or or this and that um yeah but then in the period where i was being diagnosed i kind of jumped forward but the period where i was being diagnosed it was really again it was my family so um at that point um i wasn't as close with you know i was in i was in college but i didn't really have people who were um you know I guess good. I had good friends, but not friends that fully understood what was going yeah. on. And so it was really my family who was who was playing that role at that time. Um, my mom would go to all these doctor's appointments with me, and then unfortunately have to deal with <laughs> me being upset afterwards yeah. when when we didn't get the news that we wanted, or um, kind of trying to understand when we did get some news that we wanted. Um, but yeah, I mean. There were times where my mom would come to the go to the emergency room with me if I needed um, to get an infusion or or something like that, and just selfless people being able to take time out of their day and really put me first. Um, I don't think anyone gets through something like this alone, but I certainly didn't. Um, I'm really fortunate to have been able to rely on those people, and not only physically but emotionally yeah. as well. Because, like mm-hmm. I said, I was I, I really was having a difficult time emotionally um, at that time, you know, becoming more of a recluse from people that that I normally was around or people that, you know, were used to me being one way and now saw me another way and were confused by that. I was confused yeah. by that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> being able to, for example, just call my mom and be like, this is what happened today. Can you believe it? And like, you know, or like, I'm really feeling this kind of way today or that kind of way today. And and having someone be like, okay, you're not crazy. It's okay. Yeah. Like, let me get through this. Um, so really it's support from other people. That's, 
I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, but no, that's, it does. Oh, I did it. It does. Um, and yeah. and also, I think, you know, having someone tell you that you're not crazy is um, is underrated. And I think that absolutely, I until my diagnosis also slowly continued to question whether I was going crazy. Um, and so it, it's t- talk about the process of being able like the the evolution of going from like being really unsure about what's going on in your body to like yeah. being able to trust that what you're feeling is abnormal and you need to take care of yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it just it it felt like such a foreign feeling at first, um, obviously, because no one really knows what's going on. And um, I certainly didn't. Um, you know, I, I don't know how to describe the first, um, you know, month or two when I was feeling this way. It's like your mind goes crazy and that anything could be on the table. It, it, I think there's nothing scarier than thinking this is how I'm supposed to feel and something's wrong and I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, and then finally getting over that hurdle and getting a diagnosis was really a relief. Um, and I think I thought that once you get a diagnosis, it's like, okay, now everything's got to be fine. Um, that's certainly not how it was. Yeah. Um, kind of learning to adapt to live with something so debilitating was really challenging. Um, and I think at this point, at this point, um, you know, I was diagnosed in 2016. I think it's become my nor- new normal in that um, I've just kind of adapted to living this way. And I, I can't really remember living a different way. Um, I'm so much more conscious of how I feel at all times. If at any yeah. time, you know, I feel like I'm uh, crossing over a line or something, I'm, I'm able to adjust. And I think that's just come from a lot of trial and error because I've had a, a lot of times where I've pushed myself to a point where, um, you know, I, I had that uh, result where yep. I was back on the couch or, you know, and then relying on people again, like my mom. And, and she's like, okay, you're not crazy. You got this. Keep going. Um, and honestly, it's just having people believe in you, people push you and um, kind of push those boundaries. So I remember I went to law school and I was honestly like, I, I'm going to try and make it a semester. And yeah. if I have to drop out after a semester, that's how it is. Or if I, if I don't make it through the semester, that's how it is. Um, and I think it's just um, every day, just becoming more and more comfortable with how I feel. And, um, and then those big things feel, start to feel like little things because you can Yep. control them more you feel yeah. like you can control them more um or you just adapt to living with them yeah and um yeah I don't know it's just I feel like um over time I feel like every day I learn more about my body and I feel like right now in my life I know I'm more familiar with my body than I've ever been in my entire life and I know if I wake up feeling a certain way how it's gonna how my day is gonna go and if I Enough. wake up a, feeling a different way what I need to do to make it better so um and that's really something invaluable that I've learned I'm very thankful for that yeah yeah and and you are an athlete and (laughs) you were trained for a very long time to kind of ignore those signals um you know I I, you can talk about this a little bit um sure but you know you when you're training that hard, there's an expectation that you're not going to feel great, that you're not going to feel yourself. And so how did that play into kind of pushing back 
you know, seeing more doctors and 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 feel like I guess attributing your symptoms to something else, maybe. Right. So it's actually interesting. Um, I'll never forget when I was first trying to figure out what was going on. I was going to all of these like on campus doctors and on and they do great work. I'm not trying to put any of them down, but um they did some blood work and they were like, oh, your iron's a little bit low. So we're just maybe it's an iron thing. And I was like, amazing, you know, <laughs> perfect. Cause you can just take a supplement and then everything's yeah. fine. So I was like, okay, you know, give me all the iron pills. I was taking yeah. all these iron pills. And I, I remember taking them. And then I was like, the next day I was like, wow, this is amazing. I feel great. <laughs> and then slowly but surely it went downhill. And I'll never forget doing blood work a little bit later. And I'm like, oh my God, your iron is so high. You need to stop taking yeah. these pills. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I coming from a background in swimming um, and from a competitive program too, I think there's an expectation that, you know, I've been taught my whole life, just don't think about how you feel. It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters. Just just go out there and do it. Like, mm-hmm. um, don't think about it. And and I think after enough time that gets ingrained in you and that, um, you know, I'm proud of myself if I don't feel well and I get up and I still do something hard. Yeah. Um, that's how I felt and and because I was praised for doing that if you know you get up and you, and you feel like trash and you still go out there and you give your best effort and you have a good result then that's that's praised and so I think that's something I learned and yeah um incorporated in other areas of my life too you know I'm tired I don't feel like studying but it's it doesn't matter how I feel I need to go do it um so I think I I really incorporated that into my life and it became a part of me and then that um, again, when I when I fall off a cliff here, and I, and all of a sudden these symptoms are are really impacting my life, it was kind of like okay, push it down, push it down. We're fine. Um, we're still giving our best effort and and trying our best. And it was only until you know, like I said, I'm sitting in bed and I I physically can't get out of it that I it, it took me until that point to be like, wait, something might be wrong here. Um, and then once once you crossed that bridge I mean it, it's almost too late so um yeah yeah and then and then at that point I was desperate because you know yeah it, it's not that that um you know I just don't feel well it's that I'm to the point where I can't function so yeah I yeah. think that has taken a lot of um unlearning I guess to be able to um you know sit and and say you know what this is how I feel today and that's okay that that's how I feel. And um, yeah, like it, let, let's set my expectations to how I feel or like let's do things to make myself feel better. And if I don't do everything that I want to do, it's okay. Yeah. Because I just, all I can do is work with what I have. So <laughs> I, that's definitely been a huge learning experience for me and something that I've really tried to incorporate um, in a lot of areas of my life. But But definitely a hurdle I had to get over as someone who is so conditioned to think otherwise yeah yeah it's uh i think one thing that is talked about a lot with uh myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue Mm -hmm. syndrome the really wordy diagnosis you and i got (laughs) mecfs um is the concept of pacing and Mm -hmm. trying to kind of like figure out what your capacity is and Mm -hmm. be continuously experimenting with yourself um, as your capacity maybe goes up or down um, and has been like a really valuable tool for me. Um, and I 
I think, like you said, you're you're more in touch with your body than you've ever been. Um, you've been living with this illness now for what seven years. Um, yeah, and you know, no one else is living your specific experience, and there are very few physicians that have your lived experience that are mm-hmm. also treating individuals like you with this condition. Um, and so I think like that's why it's so important for me to try to get the word out about this is because, you know, it's hard to understand unless you're going through it, especially because the science is so behind um, yep. in terms of what we know about what causes MECFS. Um, you know, we know some things that maybe predispose people, um, but we don't have a lot of answers. And so it's really important for for practitioners to be like open-minded and um you know it it takes a while for us to find someone who tells us that we're not crazy and that the symptoms we're having make sense based on um what they know and so i'm sure that interaction was um life-changing in a lot of ways um as it was for me yeah i think there's a lot of misconceptions and um i think especially when someone's going through the process of finding a diagnosis, I found that sometimes physicians would say the exact opposite of what I wanted to hear um, in that, you know, I, I went to an endocrinologist and she literally told me that everything's perfect. And I was like, okay, but everything is not perfect. Um, you know, I, I think it's almost in the phrasing that it can be different. And and it's just like you were saying, um, it's immediately um doctors will go to anxiety and depression and et cetera. And yes, that's certainly a piece of it. And it definitely was for me. Um, but I think it's not really finding the root problem in that, um, yes, I'm, I'm exhausted. I, um, you know, am depressed. I am, you know, not having a social life. I just sit in my bed all day, but there's more to me than just a a label of a depression, anxiety, whatever. It's like, I want you to actually explore what is going on here, not just tell me, you know, oh, you're just anxious or depressed and, you know, you'll be fine. Like, no. Um, Any reasonable, any reasonable person going through that becomes depressed and anxious. Exactly. um, As a result, not as the cause. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, well, well, thank you for opening up about that. Yeah, of um, course. I'd love to congratulate you on oh. graduating law school. <laughs> Thank um, you. That's an amazing accomplishment. And um, especially given all of the hurdles that you face along the way, it's it's something I hope you're really proud of. Thank um, you so much. Yeah. And I'd love for you to share kind of what um, your life looks like now. I know you have some exciting personal news. Um, and a new job. So let's hear all about it. Yeah. So I recently got engaged, which is really exciting. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So I live in Maryland here. This is where I've grown up and lived my whole life um, apart from college. But after law school, I went and did a clerkship with a judge, which was really a neat experience. Um, That was kind of a uh, more of a eight to six job and then you kind of left it at work a little bit more um, kind of had my weekends free and I think that was a good 
stepping stone for me. Again, I was very close to home, felt really comfortable, and was able to make a really good connection with my judge to the point where I was able to be like, look, this is what I'm dealing with. And, you know, I'll let you know if I need a minute. She was very open and I just felt really comfortable in that position. Yeah. So it was nice to kind of like take that stepping stone of having a really a job where I can have a really close uh, personal relationship with who I'm working with. Yeah. Um, I think that was really helpful to me. And then now I'm an assistant state's attorney in Montgomery County in Maryland, which um, I'm a prosecutor essentially. Um, <laughs> and it's a really fun time to be a prosecutor. I think it's it's really interesting just on a lot of levels, but um, I'm having a lot of fun and I'm loving it. And I think it's been an interesting um, stepping still, I mean, an interesting step up for me and that yeah. um, I'm working a lot more. It's a lot on my plate. I love it so much, but um, it's definitely more than I'm used to. Yeah. Um, even from law school, you know, in law school, you can take, take your own little breaks between classes and, and whatever. It's not exactly from eight to whatever, just absolutely working nonstop. So um, it's been an interesting experience trying to figure it out. I, I found that I'm really more capable than I thought I was. Um, and I think that's exciting from just from like a um, kind of like what I thought I was able to handle. I think yeah. I think I'm able to handle more if I um, set my mind to it, but also um, come in with an understanding of the things that I need to do to make it work. So, yeah. you know, I'm not just diving in um, without a plan. I think yeah. it's really going in and understanding um i need to be drinking this much water i need to be you know take a break sometimes close my door and just like relax um and i've also found that the people around me are really amazing i just have honestly i have fun and that makes it better but yeah. um it's been an added challenge because i'm working a lot more than i have in the past um but yeah i'm, I'm really loving it and i think it's just a matter of um learning I'm still in the process of learning my, how my body works best with this new job. I mean, there are times where I have to stand up in court um, for hours on end and be presentable without a minute to take a breath or anything like that. And that's been a learning experience. But again, I think it's just built my confidence in knowing that I am capable of something like this. Because if you asked me a couple of years ago, I would say absolutely no way. There's just no way. So um, yeah. I'm I'm proud of the strides that I've made and and I think that goes also towards um being willing to push the envelope a little bit and and kind of see where you can go um I know it's different from everyone but um I think my family especially have always been encouraged to try to get up and and actually try something and if it didn't work out it didn't work out and I'm just thinking yeah. that so far this is working out yeah yeah to to have those people around you that want to support you and and trying um and okay. will be there to you know high five you and hug you even if it doesn't go exactly yeah. the way you hope um is invaluable and i'm really glad th that you have that yeah i think it's everything for me it's why i'm here um honestly i wasn't gonna go to law school when i did because i, I didn't think i could do it and just having people be like okay let's try and take some baby steps and yeah. and see how we can accommodate this so that you can try um, and I tried and it worked out and I know it won't work out for everyone. I'm just thankful it it did. And, um, I would just 
yeah, I, I was in a place where I had people who were willing to catch me if I fell. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Um, on the note of being required in your job to stand for a long period of time mm-hmm. um, and other things naturally that that come along with um, being in the legal industry, mm-hmm. um, have you felt comfortable asking for help? Um, what kind of like disclosures maybe have you felt comfortable making? Yeah. Um, I think this is a really big conversation right now with trying mm-hmm. to increase accessibility in spaces because individuals living with disability and chronic illness um, should be represented in all spaces um, to be Absolutely. able to provide their like really unique perspective. Um, so I'd right. love to hear about how you have navigated that in your your new work life. Right. Honestly, I think I find that especially tricky because um, I get scared of telling someone and and feeling like they're going to judge me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, in my head, it can go one way or another and that they feel um, I feel a lot of compassion and things or judgment. And um, especially in like you said, in a job where I'm up on my feet a lot and it requires a lot of, um, you know, mm-hmm being presented presenting and and like actually being in front of a room and and having myself somewhat together I think it's um a tricky subject to breach and even just being like you know I have by the way this is difficult for me yeah um I'm fortunate that I have a lot of people in my office that I I connect with and I can speak with easily if I if I'm having a problem um I also have a bit of an ability to go home and work from home if I need to um or just say you know I'm, I'm really not feeling well today I need to kind of skip out on this so um fortunately I haven't been in the spot where I've had to have some of those tough conversations um I think it's always really really tricky um knowing when it's appropriate to say something because you don't want to sell yourself short um you know I don't want to come in and tell someone that I'm not capable of something um, because I want to be capable of something or I want them to think that I'm capable of something. And, um, yeah, I, I personally haven't had a lot of experience with that. I did last year, um, and I was overwhelmed by the support I got. Um, but, and I'm lucky to have not had any experiences where someone's been, um, kind of turned the cold shoulder or anything like that for me that way. Um, but definitely haven't had a ton of experiences like that before. Um, but I feel comfortable going to someone if I need to. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping with time that um, there's going to be a little bit more of an expansion with uh, people being willing to um, take that information from either their employees or their students. Um, and not let it change their opinion before they get to know the person and see kind of what they're capable of. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that we're moving in the right direction, but um, it is kind of ironic how it's like, that's the space that they know, they should know all of the laws um, on yeah. what they're required to provide for their employees. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. but in every industry, I think that it gets tricky because like you said, you don't want to sell yourself short you know you're capable of so much and so it's a balance of like how much do I warn people just so they're not concerned if I you know a lot of people like pass out 
because of their pots. Um, And if they weren't going to tell someone maybe in their office that that's something that they experience um, and it's, you know, they're normal, even though it's not normal, um, it might lead to a lot of uh, stress and frantic uh, colleagues. Um, So it's a balance between that and and making sure that, um, you know, you're doing what's right yourself um and making sure that you know people are prepared if something were to happen yeah so. i think also um I, like i said i i'm someone who when i have a flare-up or if i'm i'm having issues it will affect my mood for sure yeah. and and sometimes i like to give people a disclaimer like this is not me <laughs> like i'm going through something right now and um this is not any reflection of how i feel about you and and Sometimes I feel the need to apologize or, or say something like that because um, sometimes I can get a little snippy if I'm if I'm dealing with something like that because I, it's uncomfortable and yeah um, it comes out that way in me and um, so I think that's the the situation which I tell people most it's like I apologize yeah I'm having a moment um, this isn't me I can't control it yeah. just give me a minute so yeah, yeah I think I think that's a situation where I don't want people to think that I'm personally upset with them or anything like that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i you and i are pretty well um integrated into the online um community of individuals living with disability and chronic illness and i i actually think that that's something that isn't discussed very often um kind of the the mood and temper changes that come along with um, with managing these illnesses, it's it's actually one of the symptoms. And my mom used to joke that just because it's a symptom, it's not an excuse. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I I would we called it my uh, my tachycardia temper tantrums. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I have definitely had to work on that. But it's a really like it's a really interesting experience going from a person that seems very even keeled to like. Then- not able to tolerate just like very um very minute like conflict or like trouble or stress um and it's often taken out on the people that we love and care about the most because those are the ones that stick around through the hard stuff (laughs) yes but um (laughs) bizarre it's a bizarre experience to to have that happen and then be like Oh my goodness! I just freaked out on someone for yep. no reason, no fault of their yep. own. No, and so many times I would, you know, I would say something to my mom, and then I'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry," but I just can't help it right now. Like, you just need to take this from me, and I'm really sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. it's the people closest to you that kind of deal with it sometimes. But um, absolutely, that's something that I still struggle with. When that's probably yeah. the first thing that comes comes up for me is the mood and um yeah unfortunately for other people yeah like you're <laughs> like you're a wonderful new fiance i'm sure yeah <laughs> he's sorry seems, he seems like a saint from the things that i've heard about not that you you know require him to be a saint at all i just yeah. um i'm very excited for you both and thank you i'm glad that you have something very exciting to look forward to and yes. plan I'm More things excited. to add thank to you. the list of to-dos. <laughs> yes, definitely um, a long list, but yeah. yeah, thank you. So I have a couple last questions I want to wrap sure. up with. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I love hearing the advice that our community provides. I think everyone, even though we have some shared experiences, we have some very different perspectives. Um, And oftentimes these topics are not always just fun, light and inspiring, right? Like it can get very real um, and very introspective um, and honestly pretty heavy because these conditions are life-changing and debilitating. Um, and so I, the advice spans from from everything or from, I guess, something really happy to something a little bit more heavy. But um, if you could write a letter to your past self, what would you say? You know, it's funny um, because I've really reflected on this a lot, but I think it's exactly what the... Uh, the post was that I wrote, which is you're not alone. I think 110% because um, there were so many times where I was, I, I picture my dorm room back in college where I'm just sitting there and it's just the worst feeling in the world. And, and you feel like no one can connect with you because no one that you know can. I, you know, I didn't know someone who had, um, had chronic fatigue or I didn't actually speak to someone until I met you, Ella. And so I think, um, I felt like so different from everyone else and yeah. I felt like people were talking about me and I felt like people were um, frustrated with me and annoyed with me and confused by how I'm acting and, and everything else. And um, really writing that piece, I was thinking about people who are are now in that same spot that I was in, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, and... And thinking back to those people, you know, I would just want to give them a hug and say, um, you know, you're not going through this alone. I know it feels like you're alone and you're stranded on this island and all those people, you know, people don't understand and because they don't, but um, there are people out there that do. And um, I'll always say, I know I don't have the worst um, symptoms. A lot of people have worse symptoms than I ever had, but I know that feeling of feeling alone and um like there's no hope and and everything like that. And I think that's so amazing that you're doing something like Disunderstood and and opening this community because I think that if I had the opportunity to speak to someone when I was in that situation or at least read, okay, this person's going through the same thing that I'm going through and, you know, um, kind of build that connection, even if it's just me reading something, but not even speaking to someone, just knowing that that other people out there are experiencing the same thing and it's hard and they're getting through it, et cetera. I think just like having that um, would change my perspective completely. And so I think if I could tell anything to my myself when I was back in that dorm room, it would be like, this sucks, but, but there's other people out there who understand and um, they might not ever like understand every single symptom that you have. Maybe they have some different symptoms or something's affect them differently but there's other people who are going through this i think um i think that would be my my biggest piece of advice and to look for those people and and find them because (laughs) um it's such i I find it to be such a lonely uh macfs at least such a lonely lonely uh syndrome and it, it was for me and um i think if we can break that um, I think it can help a lot of people have hope. Um, yeah. And, and you know, maybe, you know, I was saying how, how much it affected me uh, 
mentally, emotionally, maybe combat some of that because a lot of mine was from feeling so alone. Um, yeah. And so that would be my biggest piece of advice. I, yeah. I don't know if it's advice or encouragement, what it is, <laughs> but but you're not alone. You're really not. And um, thank you so much, Ella, for doing this and giving a platform to this important topic so that other people who are in that spot don't have to feel alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. And I, I feel the yeah, same way. I think the... Um, there, it's a common thread among people that I've talked to. I guess the okay. the two most common responses that we got when we asked the community, you know, what one word describes your experience with disability and chronic illness, and the two yeah. of them were lonely and misunderstood. Yeah. Um, and so that's the whole purpose of creating this community is to yeah. to bridge the gap between, you know, the people that are able to kind of enrich each other's lives in a, in a very mm -hmm. unique way, um, in a way that you would only seek out if you were in a situation like that. And I created this um, because I also wish that I would have had that community. And, and every single person that I have had the pleasure of adding to our author list is like their motivation is to do this so that there are less people that have to go through what they went through. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a pretty powerful uh, reflection of humanity at its core. Um, I know that there is a lot of sadness and destruction and, and evil in the world, right. but there's also a lot of hope, strength, resilience, um, and amazing, amazing people that we get to meet throughout our life. And I really try to highlight that. Um, and to finish our conversation, um, I'd love for you to take a moment to think about what disunderstood means to you. I like that. Um, disunderstood means to me that um, it sounds, I'm not alone, I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it means that it means that there are people out there who do you mean disunderstood as in disunderstood or disunderstood be, as in disunderstood? Be, it could be the word or or the community. I think honestly they're kind of representative of both. But what right. what does what does this platform, what does this movement, I guess, mean to oh, you? Okay. The platform means again that I'm 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 what I experienced is real and what I do experience is real and that other people deal with it and um that I don't have to be alone with it that I don't have to um question myself and um feel like I'm different um and that people don't understand because there are people who do that's what it means to me and it, yeah. it's just so much hope and um excitement for for the fact that um this is not something that i need to go through alone ever again in my life yeah well i love that and um thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today um of i feel like we've we've talked multiple times but um i think every time i get to hear your story and other stories it's um 
it's a great reminder of why we continue to do this. Um, and also just the amazing people that make up this community. Um, I think it's a testament to um, the fact that this is not um, a psychological condition that people continue to press forward um, and push the boundaries physically, like you said, and and really yeah. try to, um, you know, succeed in whatever like path that they decide to take what's, you know, in their like scope of possibilities based on, you know, the state of their health and things like that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that you spent the time to chat with us. And I'm, I'm sure that um, everyone listening will have something to, to take away, even if, you know, this isn't something that they're managing themselves. And hopefully, um, if they're a medical student, they're going to take this message as they move through their career as a provider. If they're a current provider, I hope that um, this allows them to reflect on maybe how they communicate with their patients, um, maybe consider different diagnoses that um, they may overlook. Um, and if this is a person listening that is also managing some health challenges of their own, I I hope that they hear that um, they aren't alone. Um, and the wonderful thing about Disunderstood is that um, you can reach the people in the community if, if you'd like to reach out. Um, Instagram has been a wonderful way for people to meet each other and stay in touch. Um, and so you can find um, Disunderstood at Disunderstood on Instagram um, and also at the website www.disunderstood.com. Um, and if you want to find the blog specifically, it'll be backslash blog. Um, so thank you again, Diana, thank for you. your time. Um, of course. And I am excited to see the wedding photos, hear about how the <laughs> job you. continues to go and and just see how um, where this wonderful life journey takes you. So Thank you so much. Thank you. Are you interested in sharing your Disunderstood story? Head to disunderstood.com slash contact us. You can find all things Disunderstood at our website and at Disunderstood on Instagram and TikTok. And you can find me at Ella Easton on Instagram. 